Well, we continue our summer in the Psalms, and we've got a couple more weeks of this that we're going to be talking about, and I hope that God's been speaking to you through each of these Psalms. They are wonderful, wonderful promises that we have. They are prayers that we can pray, but most of all, they are God's word to our hearts and souls today. Well, you guys probably know, um, Sherry and I, had a bittersweet moment this week. We took Evan back to Trevecca in Nashville. And it's it's always exciting. I mean, it's his sophomore year. We're excited about what God's doing. And uh, it was fun just to be there for a couple days. Frankly, we didn't get a vacation this summer because my vacation was up at Cleveland Clinic, which was no vacation at all, let me tell you. So we decided as a family, since we got there about a day or so early, that we were going to go to the Nashville Zoo. Now, Sherry loves zoos. If she could, she would be a zookeeper. That's like her passion. She loves zoos. And so, I, you know, I, I had kind of meager expectations about the Nashville Zoo. I knew it wasn't going to be as good as the Columbus Zoo. I mean, we've got a world-class zoo here in Columbus. This is a, more of a city zoo. It's kind of small. But we got there. And I know Sherry's favorite uh, animal is an elephant. And I asked some of the zookeepers, hey, where's your elephant display? And they're like, uh, we don't have elephants. And I'm like, what kind of zoo doesn't have elephants? I couldn't believe it. So, but as we started walking around, I, I really kind of liked it. It was a very, very cool zoo where you were able to interact with animals. And they had one of my favorite animals that I personally like. They have kangaroos. Now, I like kangaroos. Every time I see a kangaroo, I automatically go into my Australian accent like, good day, mate. Let's put some shrimp on the barbie, mate. And that drives Sherry crazy. She just gets embarrassed. At her. So I love kangaroos. They're like the deer of Australia. But they're, they're really cool because unlike deer, they're marsupials, so they have a little pocket that they carry their little joeys in. And the males get to be pretty big. If they stand up on their legs like this one is, they can be about six foot tall and they box. They box other males. They'll even box humans. So they're, they're pretty wild type of animal. Evan and I and Sherry, we, we went up to the enclosure where the kangaroos were and they had them behind the glass and I thought, oh yeah, this is kind of cool. And then we saw the zookeepers come in, kind of walk around in the glass, and she kind of motioned to us to come in. And I was like, come in? Wait, these things can box. I'm a little nervous about going into the kangaroo uh, enclosure. But they allowed us to go in, and this tiny little Nashville zoo, which I didn't think too much of, really gave Evan and I a very cool experience. We actually were able to pet the kangaroos, touch them, interact with them. It was really, really cool. And we walked away from there saying, you know what? That was a really cool family moment. And it was something because, you know, you can Google kangaroos. You can look at them behind the glass. You can look at them on TV or anything like that. But it's one thing to look at them from a distance, and it's another thing to actually touch them, feel them, smell them, which wasn't so great, but it's it's part of it. Experience them in a new and fresh way. 
we're going to be reading the scripture that's very familiar to us. Almost as familiar as a kangaroo in our mind. Psalm 103. We sing songs about it. We know the words. And too many times we'll start to read those words and say, oh yeah, I've seen this before. It's no big deal. But my encouragement to you today is, do what Evan and I did in the kangaroo enclosure. Touch the words of Psalm 103. Experience it. Interact with it. Let it speak life into you. Let your pulse quicken. Your heart begin to race. And your senses come alive as you think about these profound truths that David writes to us thousands and thousands of years ago. They have real impact on us today. Let's stand for the reading of God's word, Psalm 103. We sang this this morning. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquities. He who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from disruption. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He's made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious. Praise God for that. Slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as high, the heavens are as high above the earth, so great is his mercy to those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fears him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and it places remember, its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. On those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandments to do them. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, for you ministers of him, who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let's thank the Lord together. Praise be to God. You may be seated. Well, Psalm 103 has been referred to as the Mount Everest of Psalms. It's a masterpiece of poetry when you look at the images 
and the uh, metaphors that David uses to describe our God. It is a beautiful psalm that is a, a psalm of praise and a psalm of thanksgiving, written by David, and it really is something that we can sing, we can pray, we can thank God for. But I truly believe that Psalm 103 is a psalm of power. It's a power, and when we touch it, when we interact with it, like Evan and I did with the kangaroos, Psalm 103 can provide such power in our life. It can bring light into our darkness. It can bring forgiveness into our brokenness. It can redeem us from destruction, and it can bring power to renew us like eagles. And that's what we see with Psalm 103. As I said, if you have your Bible, you can see right under the title of Psalm 103, we know this was written by David. So let's look and see how David begins this psalm. First off, he says, bless the Lord. And remember, we've talked about this. Whenever in the Old Testament you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that is God's proper name. It is Yahweh. It means that is God's covenant name. He's a promise keeper. He's a relational God. He is the great I am. So David, right away, is blessing the holy, solemn, sacred name of God, Yahweh, in this psalm. Not only with his mouth, but with his entire soul. This is not a half-hearted praise for David. This is his life song. This is him expressing everything within him to praise the Lord. Now, you might ask, how can I bless the Lord when my world is falling apart? When everything around me is collapsing, how can I bless the Lord when I'm tired, when I'm sick, when I'm dealing with family issues, when I'm dealing with financial difficulties and hardships? Remember, Psalm 103 is not only a psalm of thanksgiving and praise, it is a psalm of power. And David provides us within this psalm the key to be able to bless the Lord, O oh my soul, even when your world is falling apart. You see, the first thing we see in, in, the, in verse 2 that shows us the key to blessing the Lord in any situation is that David says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You see, when you start remembering the benefits that God gives you, suddenly, even when you are going through difficult times, you can bless the Lord, O my soul. You can bless the Lord with everything that is in you. Just like David, when we look at David's life, he had hard times. He had difficulties. Yet here in Psalm 103, he's able to bless the Lord with everything within him. How? Because he doesn't forget the benefits that God provides him. I love the ocean. One of my favorite things when I am able to go on vacation is to sit on the beach and just listen to the gentle waves that kind of go along the shoreline. I love that sound, the crashing waves that come in over and over. They're relentless. They, they just kind of give me peace in the midst of my storms. Well, the way Hebrew poetry works, and we've talked about this, 
Hebrew poetry relies on repetition and rhythm rather than rhyme and rhythm like English does. So in this psalm, we get the sense of rhythm with David. We get the sense that kind of like the waves combing the ocean shoreline, the benefits that David starts talking about are like waves that come crashing into our life. Pretty soon, we're surrounded by those benefits. They are overwhelming. They are relentless. And they are something that we can jump in and dive in and experience. And when we experience the benefits that God gives us, we can say, bless the Lord, O my soul. And power can be unleashed in our life when we truly do that. So what I would encourage you, maybe even this week, Look at Psalm 103. Look at all the benefits that David lists and maybe take a benefit each day and say, Lord, I want to thank you for forgiveness. I want to thank you for healing. I want to thank you for redeeming me from destruction. Take a benefit each day and let that wave crash into your life and let that wave just surround you with the goodness of God. So let's look at the benefits that David lists in this psalm. The first benefit is God forgives you of some of your iniquities? No. Most of your iniquities? No. All your iniquities. I always like to say this. I looked up the Hebrew word for all, and do you know what it means? All. Every single one. Not one left behind. Not one set aside All your iniquities are forgiven. The first benefit, that wave that comes crashing into our life in this psalm is that of forgiveness. And I love that David says, all your sins are forgiven. Do you remember what it was like when you were shackled, fettered, and bound by the chains of sin? Do you remember being dirty and stained by iniquity? Do you remember being an orphan and forgotten? Then you experience the sweetness, that wave of forgiveness that comes coming into your life. And pretty soon you are forgiven. You're covered by the perfect blood of the perfect son and your chains are gone. You've been redeemed. And that alone would be enough to bless the Lord, oh my soul. But David doesn't stop there. The next wave that floods our soul, that is a benefit, is that of healing. God heals all your diseases. Now, a lot of commentators will say in the context of this psalm, and I agree, David is probably referring to spiritual diseases. Spiritual blindness, spiritual paralysis, spiritual deadness. He's probably talking more spiritual, but I know we serve a God who both heals spiritually and physically. I can look around this congregation and I can see physical healings all around us. Dan Breidenbaugh had a very serious testing this week and when they did it, it came back very, very good. That is God's physical healing in his life. I look at Lonnie Wilhelm back there. He had a big scare this year. And he is here today blessing the Lord, oh my soul, praising him because our God is a healer. As you know, I was diagnosed with appendix cancer during everything I was going through. 
And I am here today as a cancer survivor because our God is a healer. I believe God is Jehovah Rophe. He is our healer both physically and he is our healer spiritually. And you might say, well, I've prayed to be healed from diabetes and I haven't been healed yet. What's going on? God always heals. He's going to heal in this life or he's going to heal in heaven. One way or the other, he is our healer and we can trust him and we can thank him. That is a wave that comes over us, a benefit that we have because God heals both physically and spiritually. I saw this so dramatically when I was a pastor at Roseville Church of the Nazarene. I got a call from a person that went to our church and their grandmother, who was not a believer, she was 90 years old, was in a nursing home. And she had taken the turn for the worse. And so the family had called and asked me to go in and pray with her. And they wanted me to pray for physical healing. They wanted more time with her. But they also wanted me to pray for spiritual healing because she didn't know Jesus as her personal savior. So I went to this nursing home and as I went in there, this dear woman who I really didn't even know, she had never come to church when I was there, was pretty much unresponsive. And I could tell she was struggling. I could tell she, she just wasn't listening or doing anything. And so all I knew what to do was just to sit there and pray. And as I prayed, I heard some rustling in the bed. And I looked up and suddenly this woman was awake. She was like engaged and I kind of introduced myself. I said, I'm a pastor. I, I, I pastor many of your family members, including your granddaughter who called me to come in and pray with you. And I started talking to her and she was so lucid and clear for just a few moments. And I felt the Holy Spirit kind of nudge me to ask her if she would like to invite Jesus into her heart. And I didn't know what I was gonna get but the woman nodded her head yes, and we prayed the prayer of salvation. And I know right then and there, she was healed spiritually. And as I was praying, I would pray that she would be healed physically, and all of that walked away praising God for that. Well, the family came in later. They were able to talk to her. They had these few hours where they were able to have a little bit more time. And then about a day later, I got the phone call that she had passed away in the middle of the night peacefully. And I'll never forget that story because it showed me that we serve a God who is a healer. He healed her spiritually. Her heart was whole because she opened her heart to Jesus. But even physically, for those few hours, the family had time to say goodbye and talk. That's the healing God that we have. He heals all your diseases. If that was all he did, that would be enough. But once again, the next wave hits us and we experience the amazing benefit of redemption from our life of destruction. Once again, does anyone remember your life that was headed for destruction? I do. You know my, my story. I remember what it feels like, smells like. I was suffering consequences of destructive ideas and decisions that I had made, and I was un going down that road of destruction, really probably to an early death.
But God is a God who redeems us from that life of destruction. I, I'm, even though I grew up in the church, I rebelled against God. I rebelled against that Christian heritage. I started drinking at a young age, and I was on the path to alcoholism. I started rejecting my parents and my grandparents. I even shoplifted and got arrested for that. I was heading down that life of destruction. And there is such a frustration and a feeling of helplessness when you are there. Thank God we serve a God who redeems us and delivers us from that life of destruction. In my situation, it was unrighteousness is why I was going down that path of destruction. Maybe for other people, though, it's self-righteousness. You see, sometimes we don't even think of self-righteousness as destructive in our life. But it really is. It, it, it helps. It, what it does is it makes us rely on ourselves rather than relying on God. And it's kind of a hidden, destructive path, but you can start to see that self-righteousness might be entering into your life if you make statements like, well, why can't that person be more like me? Why can't that person get away from that bad habit? I was able to break that habit. Why can't they break that habit? Or we kind of cross our foot, hands, our arms, and say, I'm so glad I'm not like that person. You see, the danger of self-righteousness is it consumes you with pride and self-centeredness. And pretty soon you become self-centered about what you're able to do and not God-centered about what he can do in our life. I love the scripture that tells us our righteousness is like filthy rags. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how long you've been going to church. I don't care about any of that. But that is all filthy rags unless you're relying on Christ's righteousness. Christ's righteousness is what gives us the righteousness for us to stand before God and say, I am forgiven. All my iniquities are gone because of what God has done, not because of what I have done. And so God redeems us from that life of destruction. He redeems us from the life of destruction of unrighteousness, but also self-righteousness. And if that, that would be enough, that redemption would be a way to say, okay, bless the Lord, oh my soul. But then another wave of benefits swells up and overwhelms you. This benefit is God crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. I love this because like we sang about today, it's all about amazing grace. We don't deserve this crown. We didn't earn it. It's something that God gives us graciously. The unmerited favor of God. He's the one who crowns us with this loving kindness. Uh, that word loving kindness, we've talked about this too. The Hebrew word is hesed. And what that is, is it's God's covenant love. It's his love that will not let you go. Even when you reject him like I did, God's loving kindness is always reaching out to you. Now, it would be one thing for him to deliver you from a life of destruction, set you aside, and, and let you just sit there. But if you just sat there, delivered, 
you would probably look back at your life and still feel shame, guilt, unworthiness, and feel unlovable. God doesn't just do that. He does more. He pulls you up from that destruction. He sets you apart. He puts you on the solid rock, the solid ground. And then the Bible says, David says, he honors you by putting a crown of loving kindness on your head. He gets close enough to put that, that crown on your head. And he says, you are mine. You are my daughter. You are my son. You are no longer unlovable or unworthy. You are a child of the King of kings and Lord of lords. You see, God wants us to experience that covenant love, that love that will not let you go. When God places that crown on your head, we are reminded that even though I am unlovable, God makes me lovely. We are reminded that even though I am not worthy, he deems me worthy. He, we are reminded that even though I am guilty, I look at my past and I know I am guilty, but he forgives all my iniquities. We are reminded that I am no longer an orphan or estranged by God, but he calls me a child of God. That's the loving kindness that God bestows on his wonderful children. And that's why we can bless the Lord. And that would be enough. But then the next wave envelops us and we experience the amazing benefit of God satisfying your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Well, do you know what it's like to be parched to be really, really thirsty. And then you get a bottle of water, or some nice fresh ice water. And you take that sip and it's like, wow, now I can talk again. Now I can actually speak because of that satisfaction I get. Or if you're really hungry, and I can relate to this because of my medical stuff, you're really hungry, but then you go to Chillicothe First Church and you have this carrion meal, this potluck after church, and you are satisfied with all that good, good food. Linda Anderson's wonderful food, Susie's and Betty's and all those good cooks that we have, Debbie Conrad, all you guys, that is the satisfaction you get when you experience what God has given you or to be tired and finally get that best night of sleep, which I never get, or to be restless and find contentment, or to be lonely and find a lifelong friend. That type of satisfaction, although good, pales into comparison what God offers us. God will satisfy you with good that you will never find in this world. In fact, we see so many people in this world looking for things to satisfy and nothing satisfies them like God. They look for success. They look for money. Maybe they even look for substances that will take the pain away. And every one of those things, although they offer satisfaction, leave us wanting more, leave us empty, leave us hurting. The satisfaction that God offers gives us true satisfaction and satisfies our soul. That's why David can say, 
Bless the Lord, O my soul. And the result of God's satisfaction is renewal. I love the image that David uses of an eagle. Eagles have strength. They have vitality. They have vigor. And even though a lot of times eagles will fly through a storm of life and their feathers will become battered, they lose their color, the feathers lose their sheen, but then the eagles begin to shed those feathers and molt after the storm. And in the molting, a new shine comes through. Here's the lesson. We all go through seasons of struggle. We all go through seasons where we hurt and we're pained and we're sorrowful. But if we abide in Christ, if we let him satisfy our soul, he renews us like the eagle and we will soar. Even when we go through that season of pain, the season of molting, we will find strength in God. If you're struggling today, renewal is coming, and you can soar like an eagle. Another benefit that, God, that David lists is God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and mercy, abounding in love. I have to tell you, some of my favorite words in the Bible are from Psalms verse 103, verse 8 through 12 are some of my favorite words in all of the Bible. Just a couple, just to remind you of it, 8 through 10 is really powerful. It says, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. I love this one. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Many times we thank God for what he's done for us, which is great. But have you ever thanked God for what he's not done? He does not deal with us according to our sins. Jesus took our place on the cross, so he received the punishment that was upon us. God does not deal with us according to our sins, nor punish us according to our iniquities, he takes that punishment and takes that sin upon him. I love that David wrote this. We know David's story. We know how he killed the giant. We know how he killed all the wild animals protecting his sheep. We know how he became the king of Israel. But do you remember his brokenness, his sinfulness? He committed adultery. He murdered someone. He committed grave, serious sins. But in Psalm 103, he says, Thank you, God, for not dealing with me according to my sin. Thank you for not punishing me according to my iniquities. And we see David, even in Psalm 51, cry out to the Lord and say, Create in me a new heart, O Lord. And God did it. David can write, God forgives you of all your iniquities because not only does he know that, he's experienced it. He can write, God will deliver you from destruction and redeem you from destruction because he experienced it in his own life. He can write, God does not deal with us according to our sins because he experienced that as well. If Satan is in your ear today telling you how bad you are, how 
broken you are. Remember the words of David. Remember that we can bless the Lord. And if we cry out to God and say, forgive me, Lord, he is faithful. He is just to forgive us of all our sins and iniquities. He is the God who provides that amazing grace that we sing about. Some of my favorite words in all the Bible are verses 11 through 12. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, God has separated our transgressions from us. So you get the picture. From earth to heaven, that's vertical. From earth to heaven, that's as high as God's mercy for us. It's, if you've ever looked at a starry night sky in the summertime, and you look at those faraway stars, that's not even one iota of how much God's mercy is for us. It's higher than that. It's higher than, the, than beyond the universe. That is how high God's mercy is. And think of this, the east from the west, that's horizontal. The east never meets the west. So when he removes your sins from you, like he did for David, like he did for me, like he did for you, those sins, although Satan wants to remind you of them, are separated from you because of what he has done. There is this, there's this vertical aspect of God's love and this horizontal aspect of God's love. Does that remind you of anything? Vertical? horizontal. Whenever I think of that, I think of the cross, that beam that goes from earth to heaven, never even gets to the utmost part of the universe. That is his mercy for you. That is his mercy. It's never ending. It's higher than the heavens above. And because he died on this cross, the east never meets the west. And you can see that horizontal aspect. He removes your transgressions from you and casts them into the sea of forgetfulness. In the cross, we see God's mercy as high as the heavens above, and we see that God has moved, removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. God's sacrifice for you allows us to say, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. In fact, look at how David ends this psalm. He starts out with personal praise. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, all that is within me. But then the final verses are, bless the Lord, you his angels, the heavenly host. He invites the heavenly host in all of heaven to join in this song of blessing the Lord, O oh my soul. But then he doesn't end there. He, he ends this psalm with saying, bless the Lord all his works. All creation should bless God. You see, what starts out as a personal life song, where we just start blessing God with everything within us, remembering the benefits of forgiveness, remembering the benefits of his healing, remembering the benefits of him redeeming us from destruction. But that song cannot be contained in just the one person. It's too good. 
All of heaven joins us when we sing. All of creation joins us. The rocks will cry out. Nature will cry out and bless the Lord because he is good. As we close this service out today, let's bless the Lord with everything that is in us. Even if you're hurting, even if you're struggling, remember, he can satisfy the very aching in your soul. The very thing that you need that satisfaction for, he can provide it. And you will mount up with wings like eagles. You will be renewed with the strength of an eagle when you bless him with everything within you. And I love the fact when we praise the Lord like that, Satan is defeated. All that negative self-talk, you're unworthy, you're an orphan, God doesn't love you, falls along the wayside because God sets that crown of loving kindness and says, you are mine. I have purchased you because I love you. I have given you mercy as high as the heavens and separated your sins as far as the east is from the west. Experience that today. And let's praise the Lord together, blessing the Lord with everything within us. Let's bless the Lord, oh my soul. Let's stand and sing this song as we close and just praise God along with David, along with the angels, along with all creation. Let's bless the Lord with our entire life today.